Welcome, everybody, to the 38th episode of the Dunkin' with Dom podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Chapone, uh, joined by a first-timer of the Dunkin' with Dom pod, Jose. Uh, the, the Bucks are champions. How do you feel about it? Uh, for starters, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, it was probably one of my favorite championships to watch in the last couple of years. I think the way Milwaukee has created their team, obviously having Giannis Antetokounmpo and Curtis Middleton since 2013, making the Drew Holiday trade. I think they've deserved a championship for a long time, even though there were injuries along the way. I think they're rightful champions. It definitely was an entertaining finals for sure. Um, I mean, crazy. We covered on this pod a while. What were your thoughts on the final couple games? I mean, Giannis, some all-time performances. Chris Paul struggling toward the end. Nobody outside Devin Booker making a shot. What were some finals takeaways before we get into this offseason preview? I was talking to some other people about this. That might be... As far as finals performances go, that might be the best finals performance I've ever seen. Like, as far as a whole series, that was insane. The only other one I could think about is maybe 2016 LeBron because that was insane, too. But what Giannis did was incredible. Obviously, what happened to CP3, I mean, I don't know. At the end of the series, I just thought that they were relying way too much on Devin Booker. And by, like, game six, it became pretty clear that he was the only one that was able, that was capable of doing anything on offense. So, things don't know I agree with you on the Giannis take for sure. I think it was easily one of the five, for sure a top five in the last like 12 years or so in terms of finals performances. I think it's up there probably 27, uh, 2017 Kevin Durant and 2015 or 16 LeBron picked the year. But again, all-time incredible performance. He, like, he looked different in the playoffs compared to like the regular season, like the confidence, the jump shot. The attacking, going to like wanting to go to the foul line instead of you know like it being like a mission to get there, and I think you put it right. The, they really were rightful champions this year, even though you would argue that they weren't tier one title contenders. They still are a pretty damn good team. That's pretty much. I, I always kind of saw them as like a pretender. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. And the Drew Holiday trade, I'm like, you know, that's gonna make them better, but I don't know if that's gonna really like move the needle like that. But then they did their thing, and I mean, Giannis. I mean, we've all like, he's been like. We've been making fun of him for the past couple of years, obviously, because his jumper and everything, but he did his job. Like, I think he just said, one of the best performances I've ever seen. Like, in my eyes, he's redeemed himself entirely. Well, and some stats to back it up. Nobody, at least, like, according to Day, had put up a 50-15-5 a and five in the finals before if you do, like, five blocks. So that's, like, an achievement of itself. I mean, he's basically modern-day Shaq, so this guy's incredible. And I want to get people on to talk about his legacy, all that sort of stuff. But we can get into the offseason here because – a lot to talk about for sure. The draft is in, uh, as we're recording this, like four days from now, or three days from now. Um, obviously, a huge thing with free agency in terms of like teams doing different things. You have the situation with standings where I think teams overachieved this past season that could be looking to, you know, either uh, play ball or screw up one of, whichever one they pick. Teams looking, you know, pick a direction finally. Uh, before we get into any specific topics, what are your general thoughts about like this offseason in particular in terms of how it affects next season, things you might be looking forward to? Uh, we could just start the conversation along that line. I think there's a very big possibility we're going to have a lot of trades this summer because as far as free agents go, this isn't like the most stacked class. And I think the biggest free agent is what Kawhi Leonard and Kawhi's probably going to resign with the Clippers. So there's not really like as many high-end targets. And there's a lot of uh, possibility for, like, some big trades, though. And there's a lot of stars like Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, like, guys who were really not sure if they want to stay on their team. So I'm curious to see what ends up happening. So you bring up an excellent point. The first thing that I agree with you for sure is that there will be trades galore 
both in this draft and immediately after. Because as you pointed, the free agency class is really not good. Kawhi Leonard's a free agent, but he either is going to get the player option, take it, or sign an extension with Los Angeles. There's no indication he'll be leaving the Clippers. CP3 is the next guy probably on that list, and he's either going to Phoenix or you know going to the Knicks. But he's probably there's not like many teams that are looking for him. And then after that, I guess it's like Kyle Lowry in terms of a free agent market. And even then, he might get moved into sign and trade. God knows what's going to happen with him. So I agree with you there, and especially with the teams that were in no man's land that really underperformed last year, what moves they're going to make. So I'm talking like Philly, I'm talking Miami. If you're looking at West Dallas and Denver, for sure, they might be looking to make a move. All those teams, they can only make moves off of trades or off of doing something along those lines. And then, as you point out, there's a bunch of teams that are very frisky. There's teams like, you know, the Kings and the Timberwolves and the Spurs and the Pacers, all these random teams that are like in no man's land. They're kind of like in the middle right now. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of direction they're looking to go in this offseason. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of, like, this has potential to be some of the best, like, trade market stuff we've ever seen, honestly. As far as other, like, free agents, there's a couple guards. Like, I know Lonzo Ball, uh, Dennis Schroeder. Um, I think you mentioned Kyle Lowry. Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, as well. Like, there's some decent there, yeah. guards. I don't really know about... I think for big men, it's really only Rashawn Holmes. Like, maybe some other guys on some minimum deals, but... Yeah, it's really a lot of trades for this offseason. Well, and a guy we haven't brought up yet, Mike Conley, because he's either got a player option or he needs to be re-signed for Utah. So that's, I think the, the way the way I like to summarize this offseason in particular, and you like hinted at it uh, from one angle, but I'd argue that teams will more likely than not only improve through trades, and there's few of those to happen in terms of like teams winning it in the end. And I'd also make the stance right now that this offseason has tremendous consequences for the next half decade in the league, especially with a bunch of teams looking to make upgrades that may or may not exist. Yeah. And, and I think that's going to definitely define this offseason as we get into it. There's, a, there's just a lot of guys, there's a lot of teams actually that I don't really know what kind of direction they're heading in. And like you mentioned, like they have to kind of pick a side. Like I think Philly is, like, in my opinion, probably the most interesting one now because of Ben Simmons because Ben's playoff run was terrible. Yeah. Like Everything that ended up happening in that series was so bad. Toronto is really interesting as well because I've been seeing rumors about Pascal Siakam maybe getting moved, and obviously Kyle Lowry. Like, maybe they're heading towards a rebuild. I don't know what they're going to do. Portland's another one because of Dame. I mean, Dame's a big target, so I don't know if they're going to be able to move him. But like, that's been that's been their guy for the past like the past decade, really. So I don't know what's going to happen to that team if he ends up getting traded. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Is that there's a lot of teams. That I think. Compared to last season, this past season that just ended with the Bucks winning, I think people really thought the title was open, at least before the Harden trade in Brooklyn. This season, it's more than ever wide open because we don't know what's going to happen. We really, there's universes in which, you know, this team stay intact or maybe, hell, Westbrook ends up in Los Angeles or Bradley Beal ends up in Philadelphia. And we're not even talking, we're talking about two guys here with only a couple teams. We're not even talking about the endless possibilities that could take place in this upcoming month or so. You mentioned it. Actually, that, that probably sums it up best. It's just wide open right now. Like the Western Conference, Kawhi with the was it an Achilles injury, whatever it was. It, well, Kawhi, I still don't know. We, we'll never know till the end of time. So <laughs> he's out for the next season. Jamal Murray's going to be coming back and recovering. The Lakers at the moment. I mean, they're looking for that third guy. LeBron's getting older. The Phoenix maybe, but we don't know about CP3. So the West is wide open, and then the East. Brooklyn has injury problems. Philly needs to make a move. I actually think the Bucks have a pretty good shot at going back there next year if they stay healthy, but it's pretty open. Yeah, open is the best way to put it. I think the other thing that's super important about this free agency class is, because I want to touch on this a bit more, 
but the lack of upgrades at f- teams with cap space. Like, because if you look at the teams with cap space, it's like the Spurs, the Knicks, Miami, if they want to, a couple other teams, but it's really teams that are either pretenders, like t- tier two or three contenders, or it's teams that are like the Spurs, which have been in no man's land forever. That's the problem I have is that which teams are going to fork over, you know, $20 million for Dennis Schroeder that are actual contenders are actually looking for an upgrade at point guard. And it's not even just that. It's guys like Lonzo Ball. I mean, if the Bulls uh, cut Laurie Markkinen, like who's going to give, you know, Laurie Markkinen his his bag? Um, Is anybody like, I don't know. And as you point out earlier, I think the other thing interesting about this offseason before we uh, get on to specifics is there's a lot of teams that can go different ways. I mean, especially with the draft, because the draft is key. I've always been an NBA draft fan about, like, what teams do, moving up, down, uh, trading, all that sort of stuff. Golden State has got two picks. They can be looking to make a move because they can package something for whoever, God knows what. Orlando could make a move. They've got two. Do they move up? Do they move down? you got teams looking to move up. Oklahoma City with the Thunder, they wanna, they've been uh, targeted to room, uh, move up. Even teams like, as you point out, the Raptors, where – Hell, I mean, they could trade both Siakam and Kyle Lowry. They can get a guy, you know, be a contender again with the same core. Like, they can go in a bunch of different directions. There really is a lot of question marks for this offseason that I, I mean, in past offseasons, it's been crazy. I remember, like, uh, 2019 with all those uh, sign-in trades, you know, Butler and all those guys uh, a couple of years ago. But this might be even more crazy. No, yeah, the possibilities for this, like, it's pretty much endless. And the draft, I like that you mentioned Golden State. Because I really am curious to see what they're going to do. Because, I mean, it's it's up to everybody. Like, we look at things differently. I'm always pretty big on, like, win now. And you got a guy like Steph Curry who had such an incredible season. He's, like, 32, 33 years old. I would probably move those draft picks, you know, 7 and 14. But then, like you mentioned, who are they going to get? Like, who is that upgrade that's going to help them get back up to the top of the West? And we just talked about the Western Conference. I didn't even bring them up. But Golden State realistically has a shot, too, if they make a move. Yeah, no, for sure. I think what also, and as I touched on this a little earlier before we get into specifics, there really is, there's going to be a lot of screw-ups. That's the best way I'm going to put it. There's going to be a lot of misses and not many hits. I'm looking at teams that really overachieved where I'm like, they think they did well, but they really did not. And I'm wondering what's going to happen with those teams. I think the biggest one that people are forgetting about is Utah. Utah's the first seed in the West, outperforms everybody in point differential and it wins and God knows what. But they're still the same team, and they really think if they're a couple moves away, they'll be a title contender. But I'm still here like, can Mitchell and Gobert be a tandem or a best – one of them be a best player on a title team, which I don't think so. Teams like the Knicks and the Hawks, where they overachieved this past season, even though the year before they were, you know, 20 and 50, God knows what. Those are the teams that I'm looking to see. I think the fascinating one for me is probably New Orleans, especially with the Pelicans. What happens with Zion? What are they upgrading? There's rumors they want to move up in the draft and get off of Bloodsoe's contract. Do they re-sign all of their free agents? Um, there are, especially with that restricted free agency market, it, it really is going to be a fascinating offseason for sure. No, yeah, like it's just, it's true. The screw-ups, it's going to be big offseason for sure. Like there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to eventually run into like mistakes and stuff. Like, because you mentioned it, it could really go either way. This isn't one of those offseasons where it's like, okay, we have six, seven like superstar or star guys. They're going to be going after – these teams are going to be going after them. No, this is really like, okay, you're going to have to make moves. It's going to have to be deals. It's not just going to be signing people. The first thing I want to start with with this upcoming offseason is uh, pretty important because it involves a couple potential superstars getting traded before we move on with the other uh, components of this offseason. What are your thoughts, first off, on the Damian Lillard situation? Obviously, we've covered it a couple times on this pod about how it developed originally with the whole Chauncey Billups hiring, that whole God knows what – 
is going on over there. And now the question of your Portland is, what's the case for moving Damian Lillard and what's the case for not moving him? It's very, like, it kind of reminds me a bit of the Harden situation. Obviously, him and Harden are very different players and people. But it's that kind of thing where it's, okay, this guy's been here for seven, eight, nine years. He hasn't found a lot of playoff success, if any, really. He's been to, I think, one conference finals. Yeah. But Dame has also been, at, like, a top 10, top 15 guy for the past couple years as well. And the thing about moving him, I almost feel like, okay, I think they should move C.J. McCollum. Yeah, that's a different, like, discussion because I think that's going to be easier to move because moving Dame is going to be tough because Dame is probably going to want to go to a contender, I'm assuming, unless he wants to go to some young team. But then what do you get out of that contender? You get me, like, you look at the top of the league, like, I don't know what the Nets, the Bucks, the Lakers, the Clippers are going to be able to offer, like, Portland. So it's going to be either him going to a younger team or him just sticking there. Well, and you point out this very well, and we touch on this with the cap space, a lot of the teams that may or may not want to make a superstar trade don't have the assets or the uh, treasure chest of, uh, you know, draft picks and young players to give back to Portland. I think that's why Philly's been brought up so much in the thing, partly because, hey, Philly with Embiid and Lillard fits well, but also because they have the one asset that could be used as a centerpiece for a trade, whereas other teams, like the like the, the Lakers want Westbrook. I don't know what the hell they're going to do in terms of, you know, finding a contract for that. Um, the same thing with, you know, trading him to other teams that might be contenders, which makes the Philly offer really tempting. I'm wondering, because on the one hand, I think the, the other thing, too, is that teams that want to contend. So, if, for instance, you're Philly, right? If you're trading a Ben Simmons or if you're Portland, you want to trade CJ McCollum, you want to get back pieces that help you contend. Because you have got guys in their prime, top seven to ten players, you know, ready to compete and be the best player on a title team. But if you trade, let's say, if you're Philly, Ben Simmons for, you know, a young player and a couple assets, those assets don't help you in the short term. Because as you point out, you're obviously a big fan of the short term. That doesn't help you for sure. If you're like, you know, Damian Lillard in Portland, if you trade McCollum for Ben Simmons, there's still a universe in which Ben Simmons is still a young guy that doesn't improve by the next season. Because he hasn't been, he's been the same player for half a decade now. And I think that's a fascinating argument that a lot of teams, especially those two in particular, are really going to have this offseason. I just want to say before I get to that point, this is hilarious that this is happening right now. A train has actually just gone through. Oh, wow. One is Valachunas and the 2021 number 17 and 51 picks to the Pelicans for Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe. Wow. The number 10, 40 pick and a protected 2022 first rounder from the Lakers. Wow. That is really a... the middle of this. Insane. Well, I'm glad we're covering this. Obviously, that's our second time we've had breaking news in the positive. It's very nice. That's the exact sort of trade that I'm talking about because we can get into this right now. You're looking at a team like Memphis trying to, you know, uh, I guess basically add back more capital, draft capital to make some sort of move and, you know, build young, go through their young core. Meanwhile, a team like New Orleans is basically saying we're fixing all our mistakes from those two signings and trades. We're bringing back a guy who can maybe help us, but also forking over assets we might not necessarily need. This is the tourist thing I'm talking about here where I'm really wondering what these types of middleman teams are really going to do. We're seeing it right now with both New Orleans and Memphis. Memphis building through a young core here by getting these extra draft picks, taking on two really massive contracts. If you're uh, New Orleans, well, I guess they can also, you know, help out and contribute as veterans. And if you're New Orleans, you're trying to shed caps, you know, create more cap space to, you know, have more flexibility in the roster. Yeah, I, I'm looking at the trade again. And I'm just trying to figure out which side I like more. Because, I mean, I like Memphis a lot. Yeah, Memphis, I'm not going to lie to you, the number 10, the number 40. Because if you're Memphis, you got back a, 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 a lotto pick, like an upgrade a lotto pick, a couple extra draft picks, but 
they don't worry about money. They know that they're not getting a big free agent. They know they're not signing uh, Kyle Lowry for $40 million in the offseason. So they know that they got to rebuild through getting assets and taking on those sorts of contracts because Eric Bledsoe fits the type of me- guys that Memphis wants. Those, like, you know, defensive-minded, grit-and-grind, new-school era type of thing. And Steven Adams is basically Jonas Valanciunas, like, copy-paste, just a different variant. So I think, I think Memphis probably wins this trade for sure. It looks good on Memphis' side, I agree. I also want to touch on what you just said about Kyle Lowry because it's another situation I'm just very, like, interested in seeing what goes down because at the trade deadline, remember, it was the Sixers, the Lakers, and the Heat, and then nothing ended up happening there. And now, apparently, he's, like, requesting $30 million a year. And, like, he's 35 years old. I think I still think he's an all-star caliber player, but I don't know about $30 million, and I don't really know what's going to happen there. There is still the conspiracy I have, which is the minimum vet offer to the Lakers or to the Clippers. I wouldn't be surprised. I, the Clippers one especially really get – I really would be happy if he's there. It sucks that Kawhi's injured because I think he could have been the perfect third guy. Maybe he joins the roster and stays a couple of years if uh, Kawhi comes back for the playoffs or whatever. I think he's that sort of guy for that team, just a veteran. He's already out of his prime, kind of on the decline, but still valuable, still a playmaker, tough-nosed defender. Uh, doesn't need the ball in his hands, but when you have, when he has it, it's pretty decent. I, I kind of like that fit. No, oh, yeah, he, on those teams, he would be incredible. At that point, you're basically that's like borderline a super team because both the Lakers and the Clippers have like two superstar caliber players, and now you're adding in a third all star. That's basically a super team at that point. The next guy I want to get into is Bradley Beal because we haven't touched on his name yet, but sweepstakes galore with him if it seems like those ramp up every offseason but i think this might be the summer where he gets moved I'm, I'm gonna make that claim right now i think he gets moved this summer number one i agree with that like i do think he's getting moved and number two i think if he requests a trade i could see russell westbrook re- requesting a trade as well just because at that point maybe washington wants to just start the rebuild just go all in on the younger players as far as where bills in a go it's just that's, a, that's, a, t- that's a tough one Philly, Philly is definitely there. I can see Philly. I've seen a lot of rumors about like teams like the Heat. I've seen like Mavericks, Warriors. Like I don't even know about all those assets, but I don't know. We we'll have to see. Well, you just brought reminding me right now another Kyle Lowry team, real quick. The Dallas Mavericks. Uh, him and Luca together would be kind of fun. But anyway, just I want to can that real quick. I gotta ask you this right now for Bradley Beal: Is he the second best player on a title team? Like, if he's your second banana, can you win a title? I'm happy you mentioned that because I'm not on high, I am not as high on him as other people are. Like I think he's definitely a great player. Like I mean, if he was on like like I'm a Lakers fan, if he was on the Lakers, I'd be ecstatic. Like I'm not gonna say yeah, of course. But I don't think he's I don't think he's that guy. Like if that makes any sense. Like, I don't think he's he's good for sure. Maybe nah. It's it's I'd crazy we're putting that. the the league leading score you know twentieth instead of you know ninth, but. I really don't. I think people are really overvaluing Bradley Beal's trade value. I, I really do think that he's not. I get the sample size is low, but I mean, what does he do besides score? Because he's not like the greatest playmaker. It's gotten better, don't get me wrong. The defense has been notoriously bad, minus his rookie year. And I just don't know why a team would give up a premium asset for him. Like, why, if you're Boston, for instance, would you trade Jalen Brown for Bradley Beal? I'd rather have Jalen Brown. If you're, if you're Philly. I would probably still I would do a trade for Bradley Beal for Ben Simmons, but it's not as it's closer than people think. Like I don't think Bradley Beal is a top eight guy here. I think people try to make him seem like that at times. I don't even think he's in my top fifteen. No, I think he's my top twenty five, like maybe like twenty three or twenty like two range. I, think I like the way you put it. I think Philly makes that move just because Philly is in the situation that they're in right now, and that's that's a whole different mess. 
I'd agree that Boston should probably stay away from him. If, if Jalen Brown's included in the deal. Obviously, if you can get him without Jalen Brown, go for it. But that's going to be difficult. Um, a couple other things I want to get into real quick about this offseason. Uh, pertaining back to the draft, because that's obviously a big thing. I'm going to do an, uh, a solo pod in a little bit, talking about some teams I'm interested in. But I want to get your thoughts here. Um, first off, Cade Cunningham, is he the number one guy in this draft? Do you think that he should be picked one if you've studied the draft a little bit so far? Is he unanimous? Or if you're in the shoes of Detroit, should you move down? I think he should go number one, and if I'm Detroit, I'd take him. The thing is, Detroit is just like this. Detroit is such a weird like NBA team because I feel like they're always rebuilding, and they have they've had a couple decent players, but they never really do anything with them. But I'm all in on Cade. I think he's going to be a star one day, so I'm in on him. Um, I agree with you there for sure. I think he's probably going to be taking one. Um, he's been you know number one on everyone's boards more likely than not the past what is it six or seven months ever since the beginning of a. Uh, beginning of uh, this probably NBA season and that college season, obviously. The, the, I think what's interesting about this draft, and you can back me up on this, is what the Rockets do and what the Cavs do at that 2-3 swap because on the one hand, there's been this Evan Mobley, Jalen Green debate for the 2-3, and there's a case for either or. Uh, the Cavs, they'll, they're probably lucky because they get one or the other, but there's a lot of scenarios that play out with that 2-3 and even 4 range if you're Toronto and then obviously Cleveland and Houston. As far as the Cavs go, I mean, I like Scotty Barnes a lot, but I'm not really sure if he's the solution. I mean, I'd, I'd take him if I'm in Cleveland's spot. I'd probably go Scotty Barnes, honestly. I think if you're Cleveland, you'd probably move down to probably get that guy because I think people have him in like the four to six range more than like the three or two. I think what I'm fascinating is the scenarios that can play out for this because on the one hand, there's a universe in which, for instance, uh, Rockets take Jalen Green because they already have Christian Wood. I don't buy that logic. I think they should take. I think every team should take the best player available all the time, regardless of who you have in the roster. I think the, the best players win titles, not the best teams. More likely than not. So as I'm saying, I think there's a weird case if Jalen Green goes number two, the Cavs get three. They probably take Mobley, but what happens to Jared Allen? Um, if they take Jalen Suggs, for instance, do they get rid of Garwin or Colin Sexton? Do they even take Jalen Suggs, knowing they have those two guys in the roster? That weird thing is super – and then if you're Toronto, do you get your guy at four? Like, do you want – Jalen Suggs, I think, would be the perfect Kyle Lowry replacement. Or you get Scotty Barnes and you trade down. Or maybe you're a team like Golden State or Orlando, like especially those Magic with five and eight. Maybe they want to move up to, you know, number two and take a really good prospect here. And uh, if you're Houston, maybe build more draft capital. I'm not going to lie. The fit with Jalen Suggs in Toronto seems really good. I think that would be a good spot for him to just go and just like, – if you want to start a rebuild, that's a great way to do it, I think. As far as for the, the Cavs and Jalen Suggs, it's just the entire thing between, like, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. And then I've been seeing, like, Colin Sexton trade rumors lately, which to me just seems like a bit, like, a bit rushed because, I mean, this guy's only been in the league for, like, two or three years. But I would not draft him in that case. I think you already have your two guards. I think you stick with that. Yeah, I think Cleveland is probably the most fascinating team of this offseason, or one of them at least, just because they have this weird mix of young guys that aren't a thing – that can't be, I don't think, franchise guys. But they also have a bunch of veterans that are still on the team that shouldn't be there, like Kevin Love, Larry Nance, et cetera, et cetera. I think as you point out, I think what's going to really make or break this draft is those teams that have multiple picks, A, but also those 
teams in like the three through seven range because they're really we're gonna see the value that they have in certain prospects based on if they trade back or if they reach for a guy especially i think with scotty barnes where he's been like the hot name recently where people have him going number seven people have him going nine people have him going three four like that whole range he's a big prospect for sure i'm very curious to see well two things number one how like where kuminga adds Kaminga ends up getting drafted one and two Golden State in general because I don't know who Golden State is looking at drafting. I really want them to trade those two picks, but at the moment I have no idea who they're going to end up taking because I don't know what specifically they want. Because I mean, if you go for a guard, you have obviously Steph and Clay. You go for forwards, I guess you're replacing either Andrew Wiggins or Draymond Green. Maybe draft a center, but that's I don't know. It's well, confusing situation. Well, Wiseman's Akeem Olajuwon, so just give him you know four years, he should be good, right? Literally, yeah, literally just forgot about James Wiseman. They drafted him last year. I don't know what Golden State's going to end up doing. They're the other fascinating team. I think what also makes this very interesting is that a lot of the teams last year, their main superstars went down. And what people are forgetting about 2021-2022, the NBA season, is that injuries that happened this past season will continue to plague these teams in the next season. Jamal Murray with the ACL injury, he's out for a calendar year, not an NBA year. So he will be gone for half of the season, basically, if not all of this upcoming season until maybe the playoffs. What does Denver do to patch that hole? Do they go for Bradley Beal? Do they say, hey, we'll do Michael Porter Jr. and a couple picks for uh, Bradley Beal? Maybe Will Barton sign and trade while you're at it, too, and keep all of them. If you're Golden State, now that Steph Curry's back and, you know, off an MVP season, Draymond's in shape, Klay Thompson's off, you know, getting both his legs repaired, do they go all in? Do they say, hey, what, can we get Siakam? Can we get some switchy power forward who can do a bunch of things? Or do they go for more scoring or whatever? I mean, if you're the Clippers, you don't want this to be a lost season. I talked about this in the pod with another guest. I don't think this should be a lost year where they tank. I think they should try to you know, be a frisky team until Kawhi comes back in the playoffs. And maybe you go from there. All of these teams getting affected by injuries and weird situations this past season. And I think the big one, which we have not brought out yet, but the Lakers... What the hell do you do with basically no cap space, no draft picks, and aging LeBron? And as much as I love the guy, I do have questions if Anthony Davis can be the best guy on a team. As far as the Lakers concerns, I'm always going to address that first because I'm a Lakers fan. I don't think AD is capable of being the best player on a championship team. I don't think he has it like that. I think he's probably the, the best second option in the NBA, in my eyes, Like as far as being not like a sidekick, but like, like, in that Scotty Pippen kind of role, like, where you're the number two guy, I think AD is as good as it gets. The situation's kind of weird because of Dennis Schroeder and obviously that contract and stuff. I've been seeing rumors lately of a Buddy Heel trade. I have no idea why Sacramento is even considering this because Kyle Kuzma is not that guy. But if you can go for Buddy Heel, I think you'd take that. Westbrook, I still think, is like, I don't know how that's going to work with the contract space. For the Clippers, I agree with you. I think they should just continue to play hard. They should not tank. Paul George, I think, has gotten a lot of his respect back because of how good he was in this past postseason, or playoff, sorry. I think they can honestly still finish in the middle of the West and probably go to the playoffs and make some noise. Well, they, they, don't, then, they, don't, they don't need Kawhi. They have Luke Kennard. <laughs> <laughs> Reggie Jackson, dude. Reggie Jackson in the playoffs, was that, I did not recognize him. I thought that was Allen Iverson. I'm like, yeah, dude, he, he was like Steve Francis out there. <laughs> Another guy, too, we didn't even talk about him. Another guard that's a free agent that's probably going to make a lot of money, Reggie Jackson. Yeah, I think I – look. so looking at this draft board right now, because I want to, like, look at all these teams and just talk about them, like, you know, sporadically just to give my little spiel on them. 
I think the team that is another fascinating one is probably Sacramento, as you point out, because they've been in this no man situation all year long, or all basically our whole lives. Ever since you know the days of Chris Webber, they've been you know gone, um, and they have a lot of directions they can go to. Do they do a Ben Simmons trade with or without De'Aaron Fox if it's on the table? If you're even feeling you want to do that, what do you do with you know Marvin Bagley? Because that's still he's still in the NBA. I, I don't know if you knew that we're we're struggling, but he's still there. Um, I mean, yeah, with Buddy Heald and that contract, they screwed up the Bogdan Bogdanovich thing, and they're in that little frisky situation. They're another fascinating team for me, for sure. I think Marvin Bagley, I was really high on Marvin Bagley. Like, when he got drafted, I'm like, this guy's going to be a stud, and his career just hasn't lived up to that at all. I have no idea if they're going to actually try to move him. Like, I don't know how it's going to work. I think Buddy Heald, I think, is going to end up getting moved because the relationship between him and Luke Walton is just not there, and Nobody really wants to play in Sacramento anyway, so I'm sure he wants to get out of there. And then De'Aaron Fox. If I'm Sacramento, I'm protecting that guy with my life, dude. I think D. Fox has potential to be an all-star in this league, and I think if they if they were to move him, like I think it'd be terrible. Yeah, no, I think I agree with you for sure. I think that the Kings will somehow screw this up anyway because they're Sacramento, and we'll just have to go through that. Um, I think what's also fascinating about this draft is the teams that. We're not really expecting to do anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did a move at some point. I think as much as people overhype it, I still think it should be or uh, I still think it should be discussed that Oklahoma City has a lot of things they can do in this offseason. With the draft picks, they've got six five five, I think, in this draft, or maybe six, but they've got a bunch. Um, we've already mentioned, you know, Golden State, but even other teams, I mean, Houston's got 23 and 24 in the mid first, in the late first round. Do they go 23, 24, something else for, you know, 13, if they find a guy, I don't know, they figure something out. There's been rumors with one of those picks to be in a a trade for Eric Gordon to Indiana. Um, that was a little hotbed recently. We'll see if that happens. Uh, before the draft actually happens, we've got about like 10 more minutes or so here. Do you have any big big takeaways or predictions you want to make right now before the draft actually happens in terms of some crazy thing happening, a superstar getting moved, an unexpected pick at, you know, up high, an underrated team you think might do something, any, anything at all. I think Bradley Beal's going to get moved. And I think if that happens, like I said before, I think Westbrook's going to get moved as well. I think Golden State is eventually going to trade those two picks away. I I don't think they're going to hold on to them. As far as the draft, I think Cade's going number one. Number two, it's probably yeah, it's probably gonna be Jalen Green. I don't think the draft is gonna be anything too crazy. I think the trades from the drafts they might be crazy. I don't think there's gonna be any like huge slip ups. I think this might be a headache for NBA analysts out there with the trades. I think that's gonna be it for sure, especially with uh, just a bunch of swaps and up and downs that can happen. Because especially with this off season, a lot of teams have other teams' picks. Because remember the Vucevic trade with Orlando and Chicago, uh, Minnesota losing on their pick from the Russell trade. Um, Houston's got multiple picks. OKC's got multiple picks. Memphis has multiple picks. A couple teams that are contenders like, you know, Miami and Portland and Milwaukee, they don't have any draft picks at all. And they, teams have done that before. They'll have no picks and they'll trade up to get one. They'll find some way. That's going to be a fascinating one for me. I'm in agreement with you. I think Bradley Bill gets traded. I think it's Philly. I, my money, I want to do. I want to say it's a Simmons for Beal and something else. If not that, that it's Portland. I think that's going to happen. I'll be interested to see how it'll happen. I'll be interested to see if uh, we get uh, uh, totally blindsided and Westbrook goes to Philly for some reason. If they do a Westbrook for Ben Simmons, that would be uh, that would not be out of the cards yet. I, I'm definitely in agreement with you on that when it comes to the draft. Um, what 
any any big free agents or you know minor free agents that you think should get more attention with the market, especially with you know who can be an upgrade for a team, like off the top of your head, or anything at all in particular? I'm big on Rashawn Holmes from the Kings. That guy, I, I've watched him play a little bit, and I think he's really solid. I mean, I know there's not like a lot of like fives that play like he does in today's game. They get a lot, a lot of attention, but I think he's really good at the point guard spot because that's that's like the one I'm focusing on a lot, man. Obviously, I'm a huge Lonzo Ball fan. I think teams should be going way harder after Lonzo. I think New Orleans, like, I hope, hopefully this trade, no, I mean, it will clear up cap space for them so they can re-sign him. I think they would be crazy to let, to let Lonzo Ball walk, man. I think the chemistry between him and Zion Williamson, like, that duo is incredible, and I think they should hold on to him. I think teams should be higher on him. Like, he has been inconsistent, but I still think he has so much left to improve, and I think he's shown it with his work, with, with his work ethic that he can get there. Well, Lonzo Ball brings up an interesting case because I think an underrated offseason discussion is contract situations, especially for the restricted free agents and the class of 2018. <coughs> oh, pardon me. First off, there's extensions for Luca and for Trey and for Aiden and all those guys from 2018. That, I think, really matters because teams like Phoenix, for instance, I mean, they had this team and now they got to pay up. And this factors because... Robert Sarver's been known in the past with those Nash Stoudemire teams to make some trades to save money, including trading first-round picks upright for cash, not signing certain guys. Does history repeat itself with Chris Paul? Is he back in a Phoenix uniform this upcoming season to pay in order to pay for Aiden and Bridges? Because I don't know if you're Robert Sarver and you want to get CP3 $40 million for as great as CP3 was this past season. Um, you're looking at Atlanta. Who's the second guy besides Trey Young? Like, what's John Collins going to look like? What is his situation right now? Um, do they look to trade Danilo Garinari to clear up some room in the future once they have to sign uh, Kevin Herter back and DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish and some of those guys? Um, all those sorts of free agents. I mean, off the top of my head for a couple others. Um, Shea Gildas-Alexander with Oklahoma City. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. is a big one with Denver. Does Denver want to pay... MPJ 40-ish million or 30-ish million when they could just straight up trade him for a guy like Bradley Beal, let's say. These are the questions I think those restricted free agents will really determine the market for if they, these teams get certain guys or not. I think, I think it all goes back to what you said earlier. There's going to be a lot of screw-ups this offseason. Like, teams are going to be ha- they're going to be forced to make that really difficult decision. Like, Phoenix, to me, I have no idea what you do, what you do here because CP3, even though I don't think he was anywhere near an MVP candidate like people were making him out to be, he was still a very good player this last season. But I don't know if you give him $40 million. Another one, Toronto. Not even Toronto. With the Kyle Lowry thing, to go back to that. Do you really give up $30 million for a guy like that? Especially if you're a contender. Denver with MPJ. I completely agree that they should package him in a deal for another guy. Because I think Jokic can honestly be your best player on a championship team. Like, I think he could definitely do it. And if you got another star and Jamal Murray, that's a hell of a team right there. So I think they should go after that. That'll be an interesting thing for sure. Uh, a couple final points here with this free agency class. Um, what are there any teams at the top of your head that really you're going to pay attention to this offseason? And I mean, like, not just with the draft. I'm talking like the whole offseason with maybe a superstar trade, for better or for worse, in terms of where the directions are going to, that these teams could head to. Name, like, three teams that you're kind of, like, looking forward to seeing how their offseason plays out. I'll go three for each conference. In the West, Portland for sure, because I, 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 with the entire Dame situation, I think that has, that has potential to be late league changing. Because I think Dame could be the number two guy on a title team. Uh, Golden State, obviously, because like I said, whether you go win now or maybe you look for your future, what do you do with James Wiseman? Do you move him in that deal? 
Um, the Lakers for sure, because you pointed out LeBron's getting older and AD, I mean, AD needs a redemption this year for sure. Hopefully he comes back healthier, but they're still looking for that number three guy. Out in the East, Philly for sure, because the entire Ben Simmons situation, I think they need to make a move on that now, especially like Joel Embiid was so incredible this past season, so they're up there. Toronto, because it can literally go from like, like you mentioned it, like they can be going back to contending with one move or complete and total rebuild with both of those trades. And lastly, I think a lot of people need to talk more about the Heat's offseason. Oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> 36 oh, yeah. minutes in. Let's get it. <laughs> oh, you have, like, I've been hearing, like, Brandon Ingram rumors. And obviously, I'm super high on Brandon Ingram. Like, that's my guy. I don't know about, you know, Tyler Hero, how people still feel about him, if you trade him or not. But that's, I think, the Heat have, honestly, they have potential to go back to contending or maybe fall lower. Like, I have, I know people that maybe like want them to like start rebuilding again. They're like, yo, let's just start with Bam. Oh, I'm I'm high key. I'm low key in that bandwagon because of the Jimmy Butler situation with him having one year left, and he could be thirty eight mil, uh, thirty eight years old, getting paid forty million. That's a scary sight to see, especially with his injury. I don't think, as much as I've I've praised the bubble season, I don't think that he could be the best player on a title team. I just think he's tier two, maybe tier one B on a good day, but he's not the one A's out there. I'm glad you brought up that one. I've heard of Brandon Ingram for Duncan Robinson sign-and-trade type thing. Pelicans get their shooter. Ingram is, you know, a wing player that Miami never really had because Butler's more of, I think, a point like point guardish guy in a two-guard body than he is more of, like, an actual small forward. Um, yeah. He would be probably a perfect fit. And I think Miami's an interesting team because they're another one of these teams. They could have cap space, but are there, is there a guy in free agency that really screams – uh, move breaker because other than Kyle Lowry if he goes for a bit cheaper or Chris Paul if it's you know the minimum or something like not in the max range I don't see a guy that really elevates Miami's contender status I agree a lot of those other like guards that like we talked about Reggie Jackson Dennis Schroeder even Lonzo like those are not needle movers like towards a, a championship like that's just not gonna happen Th- this free agency class like there's not really like a lot of star power to it so I think the Heat are going to have to make a trade. The Heat are in the same position as a lot of teams, honestly, where it's like they're going to decide this offseason if they're going to go, like, which direction? Contending or back to, like, lottery, back to drafting, like, reworking your entire team? So I want to end off this pod because you did the part that I that I, I really like, which is explain the teams that you're really looking at watching this offseason. I want to go over three teams in each conference that I'm really fascinated because I think people aren't talking about it enough, and I think they're really important. Number one, you already touched on it, but I think it's evident that Toronto's up there because, as you pointed out, the flexibility with trading Siakam, Van Fleet, Ananobi, or Lowry in some move is up there. Or they can, what if they're in the Bradley Beal sweepstakes? What if they trade OG Ananobi and something else for Bradley Beal? I don't know. Like, figure it out. And as you point out, they've got that number four pick. They can trade down and get two role players. They take Jalen Suggs, and they've got, you know, a potential – semi-franchise point guard if you know he, he, all the right marks and all the check marks get uh, checked off that's a team i'm really interested in out east uh, two more teams out east i think are fascinating and super important number one is for sure the knicks or number two is for sure the knicks because what the hell do they do julius randall is not the best player or second best player on a title team he was a top 10 player this past season do not get me wrong but he really a lot of his good development and numbers were really based on it being a COVID year. The Knicks had a lot of rest. All of his improvements, he played the most minutes in the league. His points and stuff are based on things that are unfeasible, like inconsistent three-point shooting, contested long twos, 
I really don't know what's going to happen with that team. Do you give Mitchell Robinson a max con- a big contract that I don't know if he's worthy of it or not yet? Who's the point guard? Like, what is their next second guy if Randall, you really believe, is your number one? Do they even attempt to make a move? Because I, I'm in the camp where I think they might screw this up and, you know, sign Lonzo for $25 million and then they're, like, screwed. That's a for sure a team out east for me. And then one more before I let you take this uh, away. I think Charlotte's up there for sure, too. Charlotte, I've always been a fan of LaMelo Ball. Gordon Hayward, Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington. Do they pull in two or three of those young guys that they've already got on the roster for a, a, a superstar? Do they do LaMelo, plus, uh, LaMelo and Gordon Hayward and then add another guy? And I think that team, along with those other two teams we mentioned out east, are really going to be uh, interesting to watch this offseason. I like that you brought up the Knicks because I honestly forgot about them for a second, but the Knicks have a lot of potential to have a big offseason, as, I think. As he fans, we try to forget the Knicks a lot, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely agree that Randall. I, I definitely think he's gotten better, and I love the way he played this last season. But a lot of it was like you have to. We have to see it again because it, yes. it might be a bit. And again, like you mentioned, the rest of that roster, Derrick Rose, that's my guy, and he looked so good this past year. But I don't know how much longer you can ride him out. RJ Bear, RJ's young. He's a project that's going to take a couple more years. Emmanuel quickly, I like his game a lot, but I don't really know if he's going to end up being like a, a franchise changer. So that's an interesting team to bring up. Toronto, like I said before, I feel like. Everyone has to be looking at what they're doing because they have two real studs that they can move. Like, Kyle Lowry is going to get attention from a lot of teams. And honestly, Pascal Siakam, even though his season was underwhelming, I still think he's a player who could be an all-star. Maybe the third best guy on a championship team. Like, I mean, he basically was. I still think people should be looking at that team a lot more because they have a lot of potential to be moving things around. Now I want to shift out West before we wrap up today's pod in terms of teams that I'm really fascinated in that I think aren't being talked about enough. Um... I do want to touch on this with the Lakers real quick. I think their offseason, as we point out, is very fascinating. Even though it's well covered, I still think it cannot be underrated how many directions this team can go in. And I think you as a Lakers fan know more than anything, there really isn't a clear plan A for what that, that, might, that move might be. So three teams in general I'm looking out for. Number one is a tie. I think Dallas and Denver, two teams with upside contender potential. Two, each of them have a top seven-ish player. But a lot of questions in terms of what the second guy is, who that second guy is, how do they acquire him. If you're the Mavericks, do you, do you clear cap space and try to get somebody? Do you trade Kristaps and you know, give up a pick to try to get off that money now that Luka will be on the extension soon? What is Jason? We haven't even talked about Jason Kidd yet with that signing on this pod, and I, I'm crapping myself to death over that one. And if you're Denver, again, as we point out, Murray's out for a bit. What's the deal with Michael Porter? Um, is Paul Millsap still going to be, you know, a 20-minute-a-game guy off your bench, or is he kind of, you know, cooked up? That's going to be a fascinating situation. Two is uh, Houston, because they've got a lot of picks, and they also have a lot of players that are really useful for contenders. Eric Gordon's always been a solid 3-and-D wing. Christian Wood could be, you know, some big man for a team that really could use the inside scoring explosiveness of Boston. Um, um, a couple other teams, I think, could really use that sort of guy. And then lastly, I as much as they were... NBA Finals, uh, 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 representing the NBA Finals, Phoenix is very fascinating to me. What is the, what is their move to upgrade the roster? Because I think, and you can agree with me probably on this, they're probably not going to be considered favorites to come out the West this upcoming season. Agree. I think going back to where you started with the Lakers, I think the number one thing they have to address is shooting because against the Suns, yes, LeBron was hurt, AD was hurt. There's no need to deny that, but. 
it was a brick fest, dude. It was so bad. Like, literally no role players hitting their threes. If I'm the Lakers, I'm, I don't go all in, but I'd go hard for that Buddy Hill trade, man. I really think you can get Buddy from the Kings, and I think that's a game changer for sure. Because Buddy Hill is already a sharpshooter, and then you got the spacing that LeBron and AD give you. I mean, that's insane, dude. Denver... <sighs> I think Denver without Jamal Murray, I mean, they were pretty good without him this season, but I think over the, like a longer period, I think they're probably going to struggle a little bit. That's a curious situation. Houston's huge as well. Like, you got, for example, Kevin Porter Jr. over there. He looked really good in a couple games. Like you said before, whoever they're going to draft, what are they going to do with John Wall? Like, that guy's just there. Like, he's just playing. I don't really know if that's a plan for their future. And I completely agree with your point about Phoenix. I, I am salty, but I don't think we're going back to the finals. They do. I mean, I'm big. DeAndre Aiden is incredible, and Devin Booker has earned my respect entirely. That guy's a hooper, but Chris Paul, I don't think is going to be. I think he's going to start declining at some point, dude. And if it's next season, then they're probably not going to be back in the finals. Although, again, like you said, it's open, so we don't really know. All right, L- one last question for you, being a Lakers fan. Uh, Dennis Schroeder over under twenty and a half million dollars for that contract, and is he in a Lakers uniform? You're grunting on camera right now, so I, I you really appreciate that big number there. <laughs> Just. <laughs> when we got him, right? I was like, all right, this guy's pretty cool. And then I watched him play, and I'm like, I love this guy. He plays so hard, like, genuine effort. And then it starts with the, yeah, like, he wants more than $20 million a year. And I'm like, dude. Oh, nah. But you can, like, that's not, like, and then, like, for example, like, Reggie Jackson playing so well in the playoffs. I'm like, he's doing what Dennis is supposed to do. And better. And he, <laughs> he's doing it better and for way less. I don't think he's going to be back with the Lakers next season simply because I – I follow a ton of Laker accounts and a ton of, like, people around the Lakers, and none of them are talking about him re-signing. Everyone is like, okay, they're going after Buddy Heald, maybe Spencer Dinwiddie, maybe Russell Westbrook. Like, like that's, like, I have no idea how it's going to happen, but, like, literally nothing has been about him re-signing. And I don't think he's going to get paid $20 million. I think he's, some team's going to stiff him, and he's going to have to accept it. Like, right, we're we're taking the under on the $20.5 I'd love to see it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, dear, well, dear God, well, we'll keep track of the Lakers for sure on this pod. But Jose, your first pod uh, on the Dunkin' with Dom pod. Thank you for joining. Definitely want to have you on soon for some more offseason talk. So thank you for uh, coming on. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'll be down to come back.